Welcome along to Scoreline Extra. As always, Scoreline featured a diverse range of interviews across multiple different sports. On this week's episode, you can hear from Kilkenny Camogie manager Brian Dowlin on his side's victory against Wet Smith in round two of the All-Ireland Senior Camogie Championship. Players Mary O'Connell and Katie Nolan on the tougher counter away to Westmeath. Carlo Golf Club captain Michael Kerman talks the upcoming Pro-Am taking place at the club. New Carlo Rugby Club president Tom Crotty on his goals for the club during his tenure. And Kilkenny under-16 Camogie manager Mr. Seamus Kelly. First of all, we're going to deal with the post-match from Kilkenny versus Westmeath. Brian Dowling, I suppose you could say tale of two halves. You got the win eventually. What's your overall feeling after the victory against Westmeath? Yeah, it's a strange one, I suppose. When you win a championship match for nine points, you'd usually be happy. But look, we're very disappointed, I suppose, with our first half performance. It's just not what we're about. Um, you know, these girls have set high standards for themselves over the last two or three years. And, you know, our work rate, our attitude, our just general use of the ball, everything was just down in that first half. I don't know what was wrong. You know, Denise missed a few frees, which she'd normally score. And just everything seemed to be going wrong for us there. But look, again, I suppose, second half, our backs were to the wall there. And, and we, we came out fighting, as these guys usually do. But look, we've a lot to work on for, for next weekend. In fairness to Westmeath, while okay, we weren't up to our usual performance in the first half, Westmeath came out of the traps very, very quickly. And unlike us, their work rate and that was very, very good, which I suppose compelled the misery on us in that first half. Oh, yeah, look, we expected that. Like, you know, saying to the girls before the game, you know, you're playing Championship Hurling, they're at home, like, they're going to come out fighting. I suppose they were disappointed with the performance last year. I suppose we caught them on the hop last year. They had a big win against Limerick and came down, and we, we probably had three goals in the back of the net before they even realised the game was on. So, look, we just didn't play well today in the first half. Um, you know, but again, our work rate wasn't good enough, and look, that's something we need to improve on. And look, um, I suppose everyone will be writing us off again now, and that's the way we wanted, I suppose. Look, we have a lot of improving to do. Uh, but look, last year, I suppose we had a few games, didn't go well for us against Limerick and Nolan Park last year. You wouldn't really think we'd be all Ireland champions. So, but look, we know that we have to improve and improve a lot and improve our work rate but look I know these girls and I know they will I know you anyway I mean you always find something that you have to work on there's no team perfect and that's what you like you can go back to the training ground now on Tuesday and work on that stuff especially for the big game against Galway now next weekend Yeah look I suppose when we look back in, in, in the next couple of days I suppose tonight uh, I think this game maybe will stand to us big time I think we learned a huge amount about our team and our panel today and you know, I suppose if we had to come up here and maybe win handy, we might have, you know, wouldn't have been a test for us and going into the game in Scotland. But look, these girls now are, are going to be raring to go Tuesday night. We play a bit of a match in train Tuesday night, and I think they all know at this stage now, place up for grabs. We've made changes every game. Subs come in, make a difference. You know, Michaela there made a huge difference. Come in, Laura Murphy and Clet Dormer, you know, Katie Power, they all come in, made a huge difference. And that's what we want, you know. And it's, it's, or I said there earlier on, we're probably coming back now maybe to our, our, everybody fit for the weekend and that's probably the first time this year so place is well and truly up for grabs and it's up to the girls who, who start to hold on to that jersey Yeah we could see at half time you were very animated obviously not very happy with the first half but whatever you said second half was completely different you could see the girls working for one another and the support play with one another and you've ground out the victory in the end and you must be happy with two goals as well yeah, look, it's, the girls know themselves. Like when they're, you know, I don't need to be shouting and roaring at them, and telling them what to do. But they know themselves. You know, trying to challenge a few of them. They just they weren't themselves in that first half, and just you know, feeling sorry for themselves maybe a little bit. And just our work rate all over the pitch just wasn't good enough. You know, and that's something that you know we say every time we go out on the pitch that we work harder than the other team. And that probably didn't, ha- that definitely didn't happen in the first half. And seeing the second half there, midfield half back line, we we, we crowded out the Westmead and we got the turnovers, and that was the difference. You know, and then we used the ball a bit better. And you know, Miriam's goal, I suppose, just before the water break was crucial 
special and Katie got a great goal there to finish it off but look I suppose you, you take nine points there at half time that's for sure it wasn't looking too good but again look we were backs were to the wall came out fighting got the win we move on and huge amount of work to do but look we look at Galway now on Saturday and look forward to that game As you said you have a very strong panel and especially on the benches and the couple of girls you mentioned there that came on as well a lot of them now are putting their hands up for a starting place next weekend, which is great to see that those girls are now pushing that no one is guaranteed a spot on this team from how we can see. Yeah, look, I think the girls know that at this stage. When we we got involved, that was the one message we said, look, don't care who you are, what you've done. Last year's reputations count for nothing with us, you know, and I think anyone looking in from the outside can certainly see that, you know, we've given girls chances. If you're good enough, you perform well enough, you get the start, you know. I suppose that's Emma Cabinet came in last week and had a great game and she held on to her jersey today. Ethan Norris did absolutely nothing wrong, just so unlucky, you know, just uh, you know, fiercely, um, you know, just very unlucky that she's lost her place. But Emma came in and that's it. She had the jersey. Steffi Fisher last week uh, wasn't meant to start. Came in, held on to the jersey, and that's what it's about. And the girls know that they don't have any perceptions that we're going to pick one someone else over somebody else. You know, it's it's you do the job on the pitch, you hold on to that jersey. It's as simple as that. And again, look, it's definitely jerseys up for grabs now for Saturday. Galway at home always nice to get him on your home turf as well third time playing him now in 12 months but I suppose people will be looking at it as a potential top of the table clash you're just looking at it as another game I'm assuming but you must be relishing in getting him down to Callan yeah looking just delighted we have another game next week to hopefully get this game out of system to be honest with you um you know, the girls know that we didn't meet the standards today, you know, our work rate and, and, and things like that. So, look, that, I don't think we have a better challenge than Galway coming down to, to Callan on, on Saturday afternoon or Saturday evening to, to, to get us back up for that game. And, look, we know how good Galway are. We've had huge battles with them over the last number of years and that's going to be another great battle in Callan. So, look, we're looking forward to it now. We just try to get back to the train pitch on Tuesday at work on what went wrong today and make sure we have it right for Saturday. And Katie Power seemed to pick up a knock there in the second half as well. We were afraid that it might have been her knee, but it doesn't seem to be. She seems to be all right afterwards. What's the update on her? Yeah, no, I think it's just uh, she was winded and she got uh, a bang to the to the ribs. You know, I suppose you see Katie going down. I suppose you all, everyone has their hands to their mouth. You know, I think that maybe it's the knee injury, but no, it's not the knee. Thank God. And look, Katie's moving well. Um, you know, the last she's finally got a bit of luck in the last couple of weeks. She's got a bit of training into her. So look, we have to be careful with Katie. What way we're using her and you know again she got 25 minutes today she got 25 minutes last week so the more hurling she can get the better but look she's probably not ready for 60 minutes yet but she's getting there and look we have a long term plan hopefully for the for the rest of the year for Katie and look it's just great to get her on the pitch for a few minutes and again you can see the impact that she made. Yeah well job done two from two Galway next weekend best of luck Brian. Alright thanks Mark. Thank you. here with Katie Nolan after Kilkenny's victory in round two of the All-Ireland Championship against Westmead. Uh, Katie, good win today? Um, yeah, a good second half anyway. We probably weren't um, our best in the first half, but we booked up in the second half and got the win. thought it really matters. Yeah, I suppose Westmead kind of came out of the box very you know, fast in the first half, You know, got a cracking goal from corner forward. Um, what did Pat O'Neill say to you at half-time that kind of made it come out like there was a brand new Kilkenny outfit? Um, yeah, well I suppose we, I don't think we were like coming up complacent. Um, we knew that Westmead were going to be a good team. Like Every team in the Ireland Senior Championship is a good team. So um, I'm not sure exactly what it was. We were just seemed a bit dead and we were just making mistakes in the first half. Um, but yeah, just we, got, we turned things around in the second half. And I suppose now we're looking forward to Galway in Callan next weekend. Um, you know, potentially a, a top of the table clash regarding whatever way the, the championship is going to be done, be it quarterfinals or semi-finals. You know, what kind of things are you going to be looking to the last two games that you can learn for the Galway game? Uh, yes, I suppose we'll be looking to play well for the whole 60 minutes, not just um, play well for the second half. 
um, yeah, we'll just recover well now this week and then just look forward to next week and yeah, we can't wait. And then I suppose like a lot of new girls coming into the, the fray as well, you know, Steffi Fitz, um, I know she started the last day, she came out, like she played today, had a great game yourself, scoring 1-3. Is it good to kind of see a lot of new names, you know, stepping up to the mark this year? Yeah, it's unreal, it's what you want. Um, in training we've really kind of high intensity matches and no one knows what 15 is going to be every day you go out and Brian will pick the team on who's playing well in training, that's the way you want it to be. Um, yeah, so just go competitive, competitive this day. Perfect, that's great. Thanks, Katie. Mary O'Connell, I suppose, job done, but Westmead certainly put it up to you in that game there today. Yeah, they did. They were all guns blazing from the start and they, they gave us the right game, so we were lucky to come out on top. Two wins from two, I suppose that was the aim when the group was done. Go into the Galway game now next week, guaranteed a quarter-final spot, whatever happens. So you must be happy overall, but as the whole team themselves, you show great character to come back after the first half and go out and win the second half then and beat them, I think, just by nine points in the end. Yeah, look, um, you know, it's all about just playing for the 60 minutes and, and staying going. Like, we don't really worry too much about the scoreboard until the final whistle goes. And two wins from two, as you said, and we've Galway next weekend. So hopefully we try to top the group, um, try to get good performance in next Saturday um, which is important I suppose the pressure is off now that we're um, guaranteed quarterfinal spot as it is There seems to be a lot of uh, pressure I suppose put on girls that's sitting in the stand with the girls that's out there as well there must be some battles going on in training for starting positions here as well you know so that's great for the team to be able to have that camaraderie that's there because even in the huddle afterwards you were all together and showing exactly what you can do so the girls that came in as well they're fighting very hard for starting spots now for next week yeah look our panel is so strong like to get this to get the starting jersey is is the main thing really um like training is just so intense there anybody can come on and make a difference and we see there's so many different players being used throughout the league and now the championship as well and um, people just slot in um just as easy as where it comes off so uh, yeah look huge competition and um, I suppose we have huge confidence in the girls that comes on as well so um, it's a great thing to have I suppose Galway now next weekend looking forward to it we have them at home as well back in John Locke Park in Callan it's going to be a good battle I'd say yeah look every time you play Galway it's a great battle and um, I suppose it'll be our third time meeting them in 12 months so uh, yeah looking forward to it and we know what's ahead of us it's a big huge challenge and we look forward to it well great performance today well done on the win and best of luck next weekend thanks a million Martin Mary O'Connell, Katie Nolan and manager Brian Dowling catching up with Martin Quilty and Anya Fahey. We're going to keep with the Camogie team. Here's Seamus Kelly. Yeah, no, it was... Um, yeah, no, 100% it was, we, were, we were good. Like, there was no question, no question about it when you come to that close to, you know, nearly ending a 13-year gap. You know what I mean? It's, it's heartbreaking, but it was more for, for the girls... This year, you know what I mean. The panel of 30, 37, That's who you were, you were more kind of was, you know, going for. Like Cork were, you know, meant to win this all Ireland. There was meant to be nearly a ten, fifteen point gap between us, just from the talks over the over the season. But like last last Sunday, the the effort and the work rate and the character that that team showed, that the whole panel showed, was just was just remarkable. Like you know, and you've like, been, been in, go on, sorry. No, no, go ahead. No, no, just saying that if you were looking on from from the from the stand, yeah, it was a spectacle to watch. Just unfortunately, when you're on the sideline at the wrong end of the wrong end of the, the scoreline, you know, it's a tough one to take. And, and you mentioned there uh, Cork 
been heavy favourites coming into it. They won the 2019 All Ireland. Kilkenny failing maybe to win one. Uh, I, I think it's over a decade, maybe 2008. And bearing that in mind, though, how proud of you were the perform? Uh, were you of the performance? Oh Jesus, we were. You know, we were so proud of everyone. Like you know, the, the work that everyone put into this this short journey. And to be honest, like this is a very you know this is a year that hopefully we'll never have to experience in our lifetime again. In the last year and a half. Like as I said, I kept I said to you before. Like for for three months, there was 130 girls assigned the program to try to give them a structure to try to work towards something, and then a week and a half to to get a panel take four weeks for the first game, and then week in week out, you know. Now we got the break in between the the semi final, of course, but to be able to turn around and to get to an All Ireland final when I suppose this group may not have been tipped to get to get as far, I think it was such an achievement that. It, it just came down to pure walk rate and effort, like, and the guard believed in themselves. The, the belief that they showed that day was just, was just serious, like. And you mentioned like having that big panel initially, like you took over, I, I think, back in February when you were appointed. How far has the team come from when you started out back then? Oh, they've come leaps and bounds. To be honest with you, like, I think there, are, I think those thirty-seven guards now are, are going to be different players next year. They're going to be far more resilient, like, you know, to, to lose. All Ireland final by the smallest of margins, a bit of luck, you know what I mean? Maybe a decision or two or a ball hopped the right way for us. It could be a completely different story and we could be having a completely different conversation. But again, let's look at the development of these girls for the future, Kilkenny. They're going to become far more resilient from this from that defeat because they're going to be hungry, I'd say, hopefully in two years and not guaranteed in two years to go again. Um, things can change, obviously, you know what I mean? But no, look, I think if there's one word I'd say now, these girls will become resilient. They were they were hurt. And I think I think there'll be a, a deep down there'll be a desire and a lot of them to, to pick themselves up and go again. And when we spoke to you when you, you, you were put in charge, um, you said one of your main goals at the time and it, it really took me back because like you don't hear it a lot maybe in, in, in at senior level, but you hear it or you know, it is a goal at kind of youth level and we always get caught up in the senior kind of uh, scene. But you said one of your goals was to make them the players better people, so then that they could then succeed on the pitch. Do you feel like you've achieved that goal? Yeah, no, I think I think we have. Um, I suppose I suppose over my years of learning how to become a come a coach, and I'm still learning. Don't get me wrong; like um, I'm 31, and by no means a, an expert. You know what I mean? I've had a lot of tough learning curves along the way, but the one thing I kind of learned is you need to have something that you believe in as a coach, and I believe that. If you can get good people around you to help these young people improve as as, as people, as I say, you know what I mean. Then they'll believe in the whole that's worth it. They'll believe in the process, and once they all believe in each other, then you know what I mean. They automatically become better players because they just become more confident in themselves. Now it's not an easy task because you're going to have tough days, uh, you know, along the way. Like you know, obviously you could be the player that's lucky to get the start or. You know what I mean? You might be that girl that might have to wait a couple of months or weeks to get that opportunity to get onto the pitch and might be for 10 minutes, you know what I mean? But it's all a learning curve. But from the girls that I've seen coming in and the work that the management team have done with myself, I think these girls are, are absolutely brilliant people. They're even better than what they were when they came in. And I think that Kilkenny Camorgi and all of the, the, the clubs in Kilkenny should be so proud of what they, what they achieved. Um, I think it's just um, it's absolutely remarkable. 
Yeah, it, it was. We were kind of buzzing for it here at KCLR and been able to kind of keep up to date with what was going on at the match. Michael O'Leary brought uh, us the closing moments of that game, which is just heartbreaking. Um, in, in terms of uh, you know, you're saying that you're you're learning constantly, evolving constantly as a coach. I myself, I manage a soccer team, and it's always hard maybe if you have players that don't necessarily make it onto the pitch in a game, but they're still integral to the whole setup and to get that across. Now you also mentioned the importance of sports psychology when we spoke before and do you feel that's something that's going to become a bit more of the norm in underage sport in years to come to help people kind of understand that even though they mightn't get onto the pitch or even though that they might be coming on as a substitute or anything they're still an integral part to the team yeah i do i do think like psychology is a, is a, is a huge is a huge aspect of, of sports and obviously the higher you go the, the higher the higher the stakes and like psychology, it doesn't have to be complicated. Like you know, like if you get a group of people to believe that this is about unity and about a family and about a journey, and to be honest with you, the, what I've learned over the years, even lucky to to play among the Rangers and the success that we, um, we had over over the years, and hopefully more to come is that like you know you got to look at the last man or the last girl on the panel, like and see how much they wanted because that'll tell you exactly where our team is at and where they're ready and. Like it's, it's it's funny the good feelings you get that the trainings were everyone was buzzing you know what I mean every every girl was looking forward to it every girl wanted to be a part of it and you gotta look you gotta look to the end you gotta look to the to the end of the queue and see are they still fighting for it like because if they are fighting for it well then there's no excuse for those who hit the pitch they should all be fighting for it as well you know like it, it, the psychology doesn't have to be complicated it's just getting people to believe that it's worth it you know. And that's, I think that's what we achieved with this, with this group of girls. And are you hoping then to kind of keep achieving that? Presumably you're going to be taken back with open arms anyway. Are you looking to keep on in the road? <laughs> well, look, I suppose, obviously, at the end of each term, there'll probably be a review, and it'll have to come down to the county board and what they feel maybe what best suit to do next, you know what I mean? But I think there's, we're, we're, we're looking forward to the next challenge, whatever that may be, um, but hopefully in a in a couple of months' time when we, we go through the kind of review of the year of the management team and with the, and with the county board that we'll we'll see what the next steps are going to be. So um we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll keep we'll keep ourselves fairly calm for the minute and see what the future holds. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, kind of maybe looking towards the past and looking at a Carlo perspective. You mentioned Mount Leinster Rangers. We had a chat with uh, uh, Marty Kavanagh there on Friday in regards to obviously his tenure with St Mullins, and then looking back at the success with Mount Leinster Rangers. He said he was cheering you on at the on, at the time. I don't know if he was being one hundred percent honest, but uh, he said he was cheering you on at the time. He's looking to make a comeback maybe towards the latter stages of of the club championship in Carlo. Just from a Carlo GEA perspective, you know you've had great success in Carlo. You've had great success now in Kilkenny, but unfortunately for Carlo GEA, between both disciplines and for most of the underage setup and senior setup, it's been a disappointing season. If you're looking at it from, say, the hurling perspective that you would be, um, do you see signs of hope that Tom Mullally and, and Co will be able to kind of better what they did this year? Oh yeah, I, I don't see why not. Like you know, um, I just. The like, end of the day, they have to have experience. They have years and years of experience. They've had ups and downs. You know what I mean? Like this is this is just this is just year one. Like and again, because everything was so congested, you know, the time frame to get to get uh, you know guys back onto the pitch again, prepared. You know, the challenge for any for any level. Like, but I wouldn't be hiding off anyone after year one. Like, you know, there's you know there's a there's a process, and I, I say there's a plan. A plan definitely there's a plan anyway. 
Um, but no, I'd I'd be hopeful. You always have to have that bit of hope because the day you lose hope is the day you just gonna you just give up, like you know. But um, no, definitely, I think I think next year. Hopefully everything will hit the ground running and it'll be a good year for Carlo. Yeah, and especially considering like you've been a manager that has come into a job in this kind of pandemic that we all lived in, so you would know the the struggles and the strifes that we maybe go on behind the scenes that people don't get to see. They only see what happens on the pitch as well. So you would have had front hand experience at that. And Niall Crew as well at the same. I know it's his second term, but he came in during the pandemic as well for the last last year's championship. So it, it must be incredibly difficult for managers to kind of break away from the norm of what they're used to and has to be said kind of create new structures. Yeah, no, it, it definitely was. There was there was huge challenges. Like I suppose you take on under sixteen role, you don't know you don't know any of the players because you, there's no contact with them, you know. So I kinda of made a decision with the management team that, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take the challenge on here and we put out the word, we got all the names the names in and the way I contacted them and we created a programme, we created a structure that had, you know, two days a week was probably the S and C programme, two days a week of running that, you know, then give them like say Today's recovery day, and then we we created like talks. Like we had John Murphy there from Sam Mullins, the um, FHS performance, fantastic. Um, when it comes to nutrition for sport, you know what I mean. He came on give a talk, and Brian Dowling was on giving a talk. We had Michelle Teen on, and even Norris let the arm or Katie Power, and they were all giving their honest, honest like assessment of what it takes to play. It wasn't just all the nice parts of it; it was the tough, the tough parts of it too, you know. And and it was different for everybody. It was a challenge because. Like at this age group, I think this this is the first time that these girls were ever introduced to such a setup that this is your program, this is your structure. You know what I mean? Like you got to go today do twenty minutes of a run, and you got to go the next day do your S and C program, do your mobility, do all your you know injury prevention, that kind of stuff. And at times it was probably people you know obviously raised the concerns, asking questions. Like there were challenges that way. But as the weeks went on and the process set in, I think people started to buy into it more. You know what I mean? Like and obviously I think something must have worked anyway. I think I hope. Well, you know what I mean that where we got to was because of the work that was put in I do think it it was and just people actually backing the whole thing you know and, and the county board are very supportive too you know what I mean like if you need something that uh, they'll help you with it you know what I mean in fairness you know they're, they're definitely pushing to make sure that the future is coming coming through you know so um, yeah it was challenging for any, for any manager it definitely was well, very encouraging to hear as well that your, you know, your, their support is coming down and it's kind of reverberating throughout the squad. We look forward to seeing what's happening next year with you, Seamus. Thanks very much for being so open and honest with us over your term as well. It's been a breath of fresh air and we wish you nothing but the success in the future. Oh, thanks very much and also thanks to yourself and the lads in KCLR because I suppose years ago when I started coaching Camogie, you know, no, one no one is interested in at all and now you have... You're like your guys, you know, you've Adrian Rowan now involved in it, and O'Neill from Gorm to seniors, Brian Dowell and Tommy Shefflin. You know, you've all these lads who've been working, who played at high level and are now coaching at high levels. With, you know what I mean? Coming in, so obviously the, you know, there's something, there's something that attracts about the sport now. And but your support's been great for Kilkenny Camogie, but not just Kilkenny, all Camogie, you know, around the around the Kilkenny Carlow area. So thanks very much for that. Moving on now to golf and club captain Michael Kerwin of Carlo Golf Club spoke with us about the developments at the club and the Pro-Am. Yeah, the fact that um, we were closed for so long with COVID, um, there was a bent or a, a big demand for people to get back out and um, especially then you get the fine weather. Everyone is out, so the, the course is actually jam-packed from morning to, to night. So that's great to see. 
all, all the members back out and uh, we're delighted to have everyone back playing golf and enjoying their golf again. And we mentioned the redevelopment of the Deer Park course. Uh, what have you done to improve the course in such a substantial way? Well, I suppose the first main thing is uh, a few years ago, the course had gone downhill a little bit. And uh, with the help of Ian McClements, the agronomist, and the advice he gave us, um, which was strictly adhered to, uh, our, our head greenkeeper, Tony Pender, and Toss Hennessy, who was chairman, uh, they put in a regime which has um, been fantastic. And gradually the course got back to where it should be. So at the moment... It's uh, it's running fantastic. The weather is brilliant, and it's it's playing at its best at the moment because it's very linksy. When you get Carlo dry, uh, it turns like a links course, which is one of the great uh, benefits. So everyone is enjoying their golf out there at the moment. But there was um, a huge amount of work on the, done on the course over a period of time. Not just the greens, getting the greens back, but uh, getting the the fairways cut and sh- shaped the way they should have been. You know, over a period of time, things can slip and things can move. But there's a great committee and subcommittees out there now doing great work. So um, thank God we're back where we should be. And like I would say, was this a result of of COVID? But it was promoted by the captain Adrian Regan, the former captain in 2019. Um, so this was something that was on the horizon for a while. But was it the was it COVID that kind of brought about this? happening so quickly and how important was it for the club to modernise the course so that you know new members would be attracted and you can retain the reputation that you've created for yourselves both locally and nationwide um, Shane you're right it was uh, when Adrian took over as captain in two, 2019 uh, the course was at its probably worst for quite a while so Adrian set in set in motion all these, um, these um, schemes to get the course back to where it should be so, but it really had nothing to do with COVID, except COVID gave us the opportunity to do work when the course was closed. That would have been would have been harder to implement the the work strategy that we had, which was fairly intensive between cutting trees. But you only cutting trees where they needed to be cut. We we certainly have huge respect to keep the trees on the course, but there was a lot of over over um, seeding or over uh, growing of trees uh, over over the years, and they were done there. Uh, they had to be tinned out and uh, that has improved the look of the course and the playability of the course but then the shaping of fairways which was a huge thing getting uh, getting that back in order and getting the greens to a stage where they're back to their uh, immaculate best which they are now thank god and there's obviously been a lot of talk about the deer park course recently but how important is the the old park nine hole course to the club yeah the, the old park nine hole was a great benefit to us because it, it, it allowed us to rest parts of the main uh, uh, deer park course so it took the pressure off so if we were doing work on the on the on the deer park it, it, we we could use the oak park course as a, a stepping stone and um, that allowed us to do a lot of the work and especially in winter time now uh, it, it, it gives us the opportunity to close nine holes uh, every second week and utilize the um, 27 holes that we have so that's the big benefit of the Oak Park course the Oak Park 9 and particularly so, uh, during the winter so you can rest holes on the Deer Park course as well then I'd it, imagine exactly yeah so it, it's been a huge benefit it was a financial strain for a few years but um, it, it's now coming into um, 
coming into its best and we are you know the the new nine hole is is every bit as good play, playable wise as as the um the Deer Park course, it's at an excellent condition at the moment. Yeah, you mentioned the financial restraints. Obviously, something like that would be hugely costly and uh, and would put restraints on the club, particularly considering it is relatively new and there has been a major economic downturn since it was completed as well. So you seem to be thriving in that sense. We are because we got the we got the support from our members and our members this year were paying their sub when they were playing no golf. And it was thanks to them. Like I mean, we had no golf up to uh, it was late March, early April before we were playing golf, and members were paying their subs at the end of February. So, like thanks to their support, we 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 got to where we are. But COVID COVID had a huge uh, financial bearing on on the club, as it did other clubs. Um, but luckily enough, we we've got through it fairly well, and now we're now we're seeing the benefits really. But our membership has held. We still have. Uh, Upwards of 800 members in the club, which is which is which is very good considering the, the hard times that um, we're after having for the last two years. And some people may have a chance now to uh, uh, see the benefits of this course because you're set for the 10,000 euro Sheehy Mohers Proham uh, August 2nd, so just a week away. It's your first PGA Proham since 2008. How, how much is it for everyone in the club? Like, how much does that mean to you to have it for the first time in 13 years? And how much are you looking forward to it to return to Carlo? Yeah, the program is, is, is an opportunity to um, put your course up on, on the pedestal and be judged. You get all the visitors coming. You get all these pros from other clubs and members from other clubs coming to play in it. And that's great advertising for the club. And uh, going forward, then, you, you, um, you should reap the benefits of... Um, extra green fees and extra societies coming. Once once, your na- once the club is um, in the press, it's always great. And it's the same with uh, CKLR. Like, being here today is great for Carlo Golf Club. You know, we have to showcase the course, and uh, it's a great opportunity. Yeah, and events like that can really translate or transcend, I should say, a club, because, as you were saying, it brings far more interest to the club, which allows it to show off its qualities both on the course and outside of it as well. It does indeed, yeah. Like, obviously, the, the clubhouse hasn't been open uh, up to now. Uh, we, we're, you, we're dining outside, and we will probably be dining outside until next weekend. Hopefully, we'll have to get the indoor dining back by um, the Festival of Golf Start, which is on Thursday. So we hope to get back in at some, at some uh, level on Thursday and showcase what we have in the club. You know, it's it's more than a golf course out there. You know, we have a club, and uh, our members, uh, our members need the benefit of both um, the clubhouse and the, the golf course. You know, they're they're members of a club. You know, not a golf course. Yeah, you're trying to correct this. There's a community-based thing that happens in every club, whether it be soccer or whether it be your boxing club or your local GEA club. And, you know, GEA is obviously renowned for the community spirit that it represents, but that kind of transcends all different disciplines. Uh, just, just on a general note then, how good is it to see so much positive publicity being placed on the club in recent times after such a tough time during lockdown? Uh, it's fantastic. In, in fairness, um we got a great press during the week there in the Irish Independent and uh, yourselves on the radio today. But um, that's done by hard work by the likes of the vice captain did did a huge amount of work in publicising us and getting the press behind us. 
and then the festival of golf itself which we have we have um, lots of sponsors involved in all the days that run from Thursday until the bank holiday Monday. They're all nearly fully booked out at this stage. And it's thanks to all our sponsors, to be honest, because you can't run events without sponsors. And uh, we're indebted to them. And we're, we're delighted that they stood by us. And uh, it's hard times for sponsors. Uh, it's been a, a rough two years for everyone. But to think that they still uh, were happy to... Uh, invest in their sponsorship is, is fantastic for us it certainly is it's fantastic to see golf especially since i mentioned the irish open kind of once again come into the consciousness of people in ireland and around the world and one of the biggest sporting events is happening currently as we speak however in just three days time we'll see the golf coming into the olympics what do you make of golf being played in the olympics anyway in general it must be quite exciting golf in it but uh, I personally am of the opinion professional golf shouldn't be in the Olympics <laughs> it should have been amateur golf in the Olympics but that's only my opinion um, professional Olympics are not weren't, weren't meant to be uh, professional games you know yeah, when yeah. I see the likes of Marcus Marcus um, uh, Lawler uh, you know and all the efforts he got to get to the Olympics and then when you see professional golfers heading out there it's two different playing fields, you know. Yeah, you have but, the likes of John Ram, uh, Brandon DeChambeau, Rory McIlroy. They're all uh, Matasuma. They're all heading out there now to, to to Tokyo to play. And then obviously it translates over into soccer, and you have professional lads going over there. So there there is a bit of controversy in regards to that. But still, just from a, a pure spectacle point of view, to to be able to watch another type of uh, format, say, would be quite interesting. Oh yeah, when golf is on the TV, it's always good for the game. You're attracting all the youngsters who who are uh, looking at their heroes. So I mean, that does develop into getting the youngsters back playing the game, and we're always looking to attract the young players. Uh, that's the lifeline of any club is is getting new members in, and and especially the young, the young, the young golfers. So it, it's great in that respect. So I suppose it's hard to be negative about uh, seeing these pros at the at the Olympics but they do bring a profile so you see what happens like I noticed that a lot of my my mates now are out in golf course and they're arranging a lot of golf trips I'm always in, stuck in here at the weekend but I, I've seen it on the, the Instagram and stuff that they're always out and there's always a, a kind of a younger profile that's that's taken up the sport and it's always great to see uh, what about yourself are you going to be hitting the course now all next week or are you out there today enjoying the last I, bit I, of weather that we're meant to have I'm, I'm, I'm home here doing chores in the house because uh, I can't be missing every day of the week. <laughs> but I do, I do like to get out. I'll be, I'll be certainly out most days next week, yeah. Michael Kerwin there from one Carlo discipline to another. New Carlo Rugby Club president Tom Crotty joined us on Scoreline. Absolutely, um, I was thrilled. I couldn't believe it, and it allowed me to um, to take over the reins. Um, you know, it's, we've uh, such a fantastic club, steeped in history. You know, back in plenty of towns, cups behind us, and uh, well, I think we're one of the the top four, the oldest four clubs in the country. So it is a, it's an honour and a privilege to be asked to be president. Uh, well, it's certainly it was it was great to see. Obviously, from our perspective, news happening in regards to local sport. It has to be said. Where do you have any immediate long term goals that you'd like to achieve during your term? Um, 
That's what the number one goal is to try and is uh, to try and uh, get the club back on, keep the club uh, back on its feet after after COVID. It's done a great job for the last two years uh, to a really tough time. So hopefully we'll get out of it. And uh, the main thing is to get our, our all our youths and kids back playing. Um, they should be all back training in, in a couple of weeks. Um, our seniors are are out at the moment. Uh, they're back in pre-season. So our goal is basically to is to get the is to get the club. Up and playing first of all, and um, second of all, then is to is to start to build on what on the platforms that we have. Um, if the girls give it a try, starting Monday, which we're looking for um, to find in, increase the amount of girls playing in the club. We have our bees. Did their summer just finished their summer camp there? They were out Thursday, um, thir- or Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So again, it's just we're just looking to read. I hope to rebuild kind of from where we where we left off, and uh, also to kind of bring more. To introduce uh, what we're calling the Black and Amber family, which is kind of the ethics and uh, what we're trying to promote is that we're open to everybody and uh, we want to promote the club as a family and community club for everyone. And so, what you're telling me is that you don't have a fellow Carlo club member, Des Cavanagh's job, the president of the IRFU, <laughs> in mind of uh, succeeding him eventually, no? <laughs> uh, definitely, definitely not. Uh, <laughs> I that's some job to have, and I'm delighted for him. He, um, I think he got out this, uh, for the for the Ireland America match this and the Japan match. But I think it's just great that he's actually able to get out and uh, watch some rugby. But uh, I think we'll put that on the back burner for a while. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you mentioned trying to get more uh, female involvement, and you know we were obviously concerned from all different disciplines of children dropping off after having a year off we've talked holly o'neill in boxing about how you know the the development for for children would be hugely curtailed with the lack of sparring say um in regards to a rugby perspective how have you found the uptake uptake of level since you've returned or has there been a drop off particularly amongst the youth sites well, we actually see we we only had really a couple of weeks, a week or two since it opened back up, and what we did, um, we kind of got them back in. Um, we had actually great numbers. We had great numbers come back because I think the kids themselves are just so bored and after you know having for so long been off. Um, but we we got we got good numbers, and then we kind of decided that look, the GA have their uh, GA time now, and, and you know summer camp time, so. We've let them off, um, and hopefully then we'll get them back in, get them back in in September, um, and do a little bit of promotion again to you know um, through social media and so on, just to, just to kind of uh, to say we're open for our new members because we're all, we want to get in as as many kids playing sports. Look, it, it, at the end of the day, it's uh, it's to get kids off, get kids away from playstations, and I'm sure they've been stuck in front of them for so long, and get them back, get them back out on the field and having a bit of crack and a bit of fun. And talking about getting back out on the field as well, uh, your return to competitive action in the newly formed Leinster League Cup on 21st of August, I believe, road trip to Ashburn. How much are the team looking forward to return to competitive action against Ashburn in, well, it's just under a month now at this stage? Yeah, um, speaking to a couple, of the, a couple of the boys now, we're just uh, absolutely delighted. Look, it's going to be a tough ass to go up to, to Ashburn. They're a, great, uh, a good side and a great club, but hopefully... Um, the lads have started back training now at the moment and they're putting in a bit of effort and they put a call out we're trying to get you know lads who retain the players that we have from the last couple of seasons but also to bring in and try and find the, the lads that haven't played with us or are back in Carlo or might be back in the area to try and come and join um, so we've got a couple of, a couple of new players have come, uh, just dropped up to the club actually which is great 
Um, but we're really looking forward to getting back out on the field, and as I say, it's it's a great it's great to start too early because at least it gives us it gives it gives us a target to set. You know, we have a we have a starting point. I know it's a tough call, but it's a starting point, and we want to get out there and play as soon as we can. Is there an extra buzz now, though, around the club that the competitions are back? Because it, you know, it's it, it's been something that's been missing for quite some time due to what everyone has just been through. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. They um, like we were surprised. They were surprised at the attendance that we got. Um, you know, especially this time of year with holidays and uh, the country opening up and, and people just wanting to get away. But we were actually surprised at the amount of, the amount of lads that actually turned up. So there is that there is that buzz to get back in, and I think the biggest thing is the show. It seems we get the social aspect of it, and I'm not talking about bars or anything like that. It's just going up and meeting the boys and chatting and having a bit of crack, and you know that we've we've all missed that. Everybody's missed that. It's good for you know our mental health as well. So we're able to all get out and and meet people again. It's great. Well, I can tell you from when I my rugby playing days, uh, the bar was very much a good part <laughs> part of that afterwards. But I wasn't playing at any particularly great level. Um, looking at Carlo Rugby now, you're currently engaged in an exciting project to kind of collect and preserve the history of the club from the foundation right up to present times. The aim is to, I believe, to document history and archive in time for the 150th anniversary of the club in 2023. Various celebrations and stuff happening during that year. What are you looking for members to do in order for the club to have all the documents that are needed? Um, we put a call up. We're looking for basically for anyone who's anyone who has any documentation, as in old photographs, um, uh, newspaper articles, anything for, over the last that they can find. You know, especially over over the last the last uh, fifty, you know, fifty to twenty five, especially that twenty five years. Um, you know, that's we're just trying to put the call out for anybody who has any sort sort of uh, information. Uh, as I say, old photographs, anything, anything at all that can bring medals from you know from from past players or anything that would just make it special for us. We're doing a like we're doing going to do another book, uh, a book which will be available for sale, and and again then we'll have our own events uh, when when that kicks off. And it's always nice to look back and kind of uh, celebrate the history. I did it a lot during the pandemic where, you know, there wasn't a lot of sports to look forward to. So we looked back on the past glories of, of Carlo Rugby Club and of uh, of the Oscar Trainer teams and uh, Kilkenny and Carlo GEA. Um, but it's always now that things are a bit opening up, we're looking towards the future. And Barry Gray recently been selected in the Leinster squad for the upcoming season. You have the likes of the Brain Brothers or Burn Brothers who are, are still playing their trade um, in, in rugby at a professional level and they're doing th- tremendous things in the sport. How important is it for the club to have players that the younger members can aspire to? It's a, it's a huge it's a, it's a huge thing. Um because uh, like kids, kids will look up to their idols. We haven't, you know, they have the likes of, of the Barn Brothers who started and Tom Daly. Like the Barn Brothers started, I know they didn't play their their adult rugby in Carlo, but they started off at the minis and uh, they played with Tom all the way through to till they came to youth. And I know like the Barns went down to to Clongos and played there in school, but uh, Tom stayed with us. So he's like played all the way right up. I think he had one senior match or two senior matches with the with the with our senior team, and then progressed on to Leinster. So and then got the the buzz up to up to Connacht. Like all those things, and having as I said, like having Des Des there as president. Look, it just it gives everybody something to aspire to. 
and I think kids need kids need idols so it's nice to have and the lads in fairness them, they're always available anytime they can give a bit of spare time and they've been down with our bees a couple of times and they just love to see the lads just dressed in their whether it's Irish gear or Leinster gear or Connacht gear it just it just brings something special to the club and, and as I said kids want to know is it like Barry Barry himself didn't go to a rugby school. Barry was in school in Castle Armas and played all his rugby through through um, through our youth system. So like it, it shows kids that if they put with hard work and a bit of determination, that there is a chance to make it through. Yeah, we sat down with Tom uh, on our Knock On Rugby podcast with Stephen Byrne there not a few weeks ago, and he was full of praise for the club. Um, just looking ahead then, tomorrow, it's uh, not looking too far ahead. You have the Give It A Try initiative starting at uh, 7pm in Carlow Rugby Club. What exactly is that? Who is it open to? Um, that is open to girls from 6 to 12 years of age. It's um, it's just It goes on for eight weeks every Monday night for an hour. Um, it's basically going through um, what rugby entails, um, like there's no real contact or anything like that. It's just just playing a bit, throwing the ball around, showing them skills like passing, um, the different rugby skills that uh, that is there for kids to learn to to learn to progress. And if they're interested, then like and they and they enjoy it and they want to continue playing. Um, we have girls, we have girls teams. Um, We'll have girls teams there under uh, in the minis section, and then under fourteen, sixteens, and eighteens. Yeah, it's a fantastic initiative, um, in like for girls in particular to start rugby. Uh, we were speaking to Dr. Una May, and she was very concerned in regard from Sport Ireland, very concerned about the drop off that may occur due to the pandemic. So hopefully, this will be able to kickstart it. It's very important to get more people playing rugby, especially after the year that we had with 2020. If you can't see her, you can't be her, and that been hugely curtailed with the pandemic. So it's brilliant yeah, to see these different okay. initiatives coming in. Yeah, well, as I say, like we. Um we want to push it, and the girls' game is the fastest growing is the fastest growing part of the sport. Yeah, and uh, and it's also available. Like, there's more than just there's more than just a 15s game. I mean, there's 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 uh, there's girls fifth, there's girls seventh, which uh, and the male seventh as well. As you see the Irish team going to the Olympics this year. Like, I mean, that's that's a huge achievement for them. So uh, rugby is not just about playing. Uh, like we touch rugby in the summertime. We have the full 50, contact 15 for the for boys, girls, and adults. And uh, then, if you know, there is an interest there in the seven system now as well, which is going to, I'd say, with the Olympics, it's going to become more popular. Yeah, well, it's all looking very positive from um, the Carlow rugby side of things. You're talking to Johnny Tobin from a Tuller rugby side of things as well. And we were chatting recently to Kilkenny rugby. It's great from a local perspective of everything happening in our KCLR world or KCLR bubble that we have here. But uh, thanks ever so much for taking the time, Mr. Crotty. As I said, no congratulations problem. as well on, on being elected and uh, looking forward to great things to come from Carlow rugby. Absolutely. Thanks. Can I just do one little plug before I finish? Go for it, sir. Uh, there is... Um there is 16 of us from the past and present players were um, doing a parachute jump in Kilkenny uh, in aid of the Martin Dunphy Trust which is uh, one of our players and coaches and also fathers of, of our player that uh, had an accident last May and uh, we're just keep, we're just trying to raise a few pounds for his care so that'll be on GoFundMe so look up the GoFundMe page or on, on Facebook it'll be great for this. as I say like this 
big clean lads going to jump out of the plane for him so he's a bit of crack as well as everything else uh, madness absolutely I, w- I, I wouldn't do it but I'm delighted that someone out there is doing it we'll, ha- we'll have all the links up on uh, scoreline.ie as well and we'll uh, link it back to the GoFundMe page we're wishing you uh, the best of luck so, uh, great. Yeah, it's, a, it's not an easy thing to do and uh, I don't even like getting in planes in general let alone knowing that it was going to jump out of one so kudos to you sir no, talk, talk to me that, talk to me in a month's time <laughs> <laughs> we'll call you live as you're falling sir <laughs> that's it <laughs> <laughs> And that's our lot. You can listen to the show every weekend from 2 to 6 on KCLR to hear myself, Shane, and the angry young man, Mr. Robbie Dowling. Until then, stay safe, stay sane.